The following podcast may contain strong language and adult themes and is therefore entirely suitable for Danes of all ages. This is English for Danes. Daisies blooming Sundress swaying in the breeze can't stop staring You've put a spell on me It's late June. It's 25 degrees and I'm at our summer house, alone. A particularly friendly fly insisted on me making the most of the day, waking me up way before I intended. Blinds up, sun in, kettle on, Coffee and fag on the raspberry sorbet garden bench. A shock of colour in an otherwise exclusively green mat. I randomly sawed off branches yesterday to give the grass some light and fend off the encroaching moss. I'll deal with the cut-offs in a bit. First, I notice I'm sitting next to a bee's nest. They've taken over a birdhouse. So, Google comes in. Problem? Male bees apparently don't stink, and, I learn, they're the ones buzzing round the entrance, waiting for the females to make their debut, so they can immediately mate with them. Reminds me of England. I found a dead bat on a drying bedsheet when I arrived yesterday. That was new. No idea how he got there, as the sheet was inside after a brief bit of sun last time we were here. I sent Christine a nice close-up. Boil the sheets, and every fabric in the house. I said I couldn't do that, as it would also kill all the spiders. Simple pleasures. On the other end of life's spectrum, we have chicks making a right racket from the nest perched on the... that, that thing you wind out to provide shade. Marquee? We never use it. Mainly because the previous owner installed it in the one place that doesn't get any sun after some ungodly hour in the morning. He must have been an early riser, or simply a typical Dane who briefly lacked a summer house project. I'm not much of a project man, nor very handy. A handyman, I am not. I saw branches, cut the grass, and cleaned bird shit off the car with a brillo pad. A skewer swamp. Not anymore though it has given the car a distinctive look. I've married into an ultra-practical Danish family, as if there's any other, so that's great for my self-esteem. I follow IKEA manuals with such anal attention that I could be examined on billy-building. What I do, I do with great care. There's just not much I can do, and I can't bear IKEA, or Bauhaus, or Silver or furniture shops, or lamp shops. Surely this, rather than the hilariously misguided ghetto concept, is the true reflection of a failed integration policy. Perhaps that should be the way forward. Ask a malnourished refugee from a war zone if he likes lamps and could sparkle a wall. If yes, welcome to paradise. If not, ship him off to a toxic island 
where formalities are put together to return him to his war zone. Or a wonder. No. Anyway, second coffee down, I tackle the cut-offs scattered around the garden. I manly saw up the branches to have wood to pile in the wood burner so I can have a hoogly time in the winter while polluting everyone around. The smaller branches I leave in piles so I can annoy the kids when they arrive later. A little garden work, perhaps? They should be bubbling with enthusiasm. They're half Danish. But they won't be. Luckily, our kids haven't quite reached bored to death with going to the summer house syndrome. We try to keep them entertained. Playing footy, buying a trampoline, improving internet speed, painting benches ridiculous colours. But we realise death by summer house will happen, and we are friends whose kids were bored to death almost immediately. But sod them. This summer house is our pride and joy. And today, it takes on its full glory. Having done my manly work, with a chance to reaffirm my manliness later by standing over a barbecue, I decide to go for a swim and wander down to the fjord. The sun is baking hot. Twenty-five degrees is about my limit. I've had enough suffocatingly hot holidays down south to know that northern Europe is where I thrive, in theory. I did live in Portugal for two years, but I wasn't impressed and decided to head north, spending four years in Poland. Probably not everyone's choice. Anyway, it's hot, but the water is cooler than yesterday. I'm not too averse to coldish water, especially compared to Christine, who will only enter water that's hot enough to remove the presence of dead bats. But Danes and their winter swimming is utterly beyond me. What are you doing? I'm told it's healthy. I have my doubts. I would imagine it's only healthy in the sense that, if you survive, you still have your health. But why risk it? I read an article on this the other day, called Cure or Killer. The introduction states, Not so long ago, a cold plunge bath was used as a punishment for people considered insane. And in a nod to the modern world, I'll completely ignore all the arguments it contains that support a view other than my own. Once in the water, the swim is perfect. Everything was perfect. Cloudless sky, still water, very little of that annoying sea plant that often plagues the fjord, and no jellyfish. Even the all-white non-fireman types that Danes ignore, and I don't. Heaven. I take the streetway back, saying, Hi to the few I meet. And they say, hi, back. Summer is officially here. An exaggeration, perhaps, but there's no arguing that the summer brings the Danes out, and not just physically. Warmth on their skin and warmth in their looks. One woman even went beyond the standard, hi, and made a comment. Luckily, she was smiling, and whatever she said ended in a raised hick so I could reply with a smiley, yeah, you'd find squirrels with better spoken Danish than me. Reaching home, I notice a few more branches I can lob off. Then I sit down and think, wow, this is perfect. I put the hammock up, crack open a beer, and regret 
ever moaning about Denmark and the Danes. Almost. So this summer house thing. What is a Danish summer house? And why do Danes buy them? As is fairly typical. It's made of wood. It's black. It has a garden that the neighbour's dog likes to crap in. It has a terrace, a wood-burning stove. Random furniture you wouldn't have or used to have in your daily home. And it's located close to water, with other summer houses dotted around. Depending on how well your house is insulated, it's either very much a summer house, or is a year-round escape from the city. And this is one reason, and possibly the main reason, Danes buy them. We bought ours because we had a small apartment in Copenhagen, with no chance of affording anything bigger nearby, and we wanted to throw the doors open for the kids to play on grass, rather than continuing to pack supplies for a trip to the park. And it was affordable. Well, it was when we very quickly gave up looking north of Copenhagen and looked to the west. The previous owner had been an electrician, and lived there full time. You can only do this when you retire. So the house was in good shape. A huge plus for me, probably a minus for Danes. A minus? I have the distinct impression that most Danes buy a summer house because they've already renovated and touched up everything possible in their home and desperately need an ongoing DIY project to give their lives true meaning. We're changing the bathroom. We're making an extra room. We're extending the terrace. We're replacing the shed. We're building a place to store wood. We're moving this wall three centimetres, just for the heck of it. A Dane can typically do this without the need of a builder. Besides structural changes, a Dane will knock together shelves and tables, spending a good chunk of their escape time touring Bauhaus looking for screws, then soaring and hammering away. It's their pride and joy, possibly their raison d'etre, unless they're one of the many who buys run-down summer houses to do up and sell for a huge profit. So are DIY skills and interests in the Danish DNA? It feels that way. My dad had zero DIY skills and even less interest. The DIY skills I inherited amount to diddly squat, though I've not inherited his that'll do attitude in this area. When I embark on a project, and it won't be a big project, I spend an eternity doing it. And even then, I need Christine to point out fairly basic stuff that has eluded me, or a brother-in-law to point out what's not quite right. He's so sweet. He's an electrician and has essentially rebuilt his home. We text him every time something doesn't work, and he patiently explains what we should do. When he visits, he doesn't bring wine and flowers, he brings his toolbox. On one trip he pointed out that the legs on a table had been put on the wrong way round. I thought he was a bit unsteady, but put that down to it being an Ikea cheapie. The dumb Englishman strikes again. Bless him. He didn't even make fun of me about it. I'm so useless, I'm pitied. I'm also disproportionately praised when I do something right. Much like a toddler is praised when parents find a little sausage in its nappy. Ooh, look at that. 
Well done. Weirdly, I did work as a handyman once. When I was 19, I got a summer job in a small hospital, though essentially it was an old people's home. My job was to assist the on-site gardener, handyman. This mostly entailed standing in the garden, throwing bagfuls of old people's used nappies into an incinerator and trying not to breathe. Then the handyman went on holiday for two weeks, and I was given sole responsibility for keeping things working. The TV in Mrs. Simon's room doesn't work. I would test it, agree it didn't work, then take it to my workshop. I'd unscrew the back and see what I expected to see. Nothing that made any sense to me. Then I'd screw the back back on and inform the head nurse that, yes, it's broken. Then I'd get back to burning nappies. I'd just started dating Christine, more in my mind than hers, when she was given the opportunity of taking over an apartment in the block she lived. It was only rental at the time, but before that she'd been subletting, and this was now a home in her name. She was bubbling with excitement as she showed me this new home. It was grim, beyond grim, brown, nicotine-stained, hadn't seen a Honwerker in decades, and judging from the bedroom carpet, the previous owner hadn't entirely left the building. But one of the many things that distinguishes myself and Christine is the ability to see potential. As I was still a potential boyfriend, in this I saw more potential than her, and this was her place, not ours, she turned to her ultra-practical dad and brother to turn this hole into a home. In fact, my services were so unwanted that I took off to Italy for a holiday. When I returned, I asked what I could do. Well, what can you do? Uh, I learned to spartle. Spartle was one of my first Danish words. Hi, tack, spartle. And I really don't know what the English word for it is. Plaster. The grey stuff you smooth onto a wall before painting. There are many DIY terms that I now know in Danish, but don't really know their English equivalent. Gips, for example. And Fulmas. And my best British friend here has it exactly the same. Like me, Denmark was the entrance to his world of DIY. And he's now so integrated he's training to be an electrician. When we bought our summer house, my brother bought me the Collins Complete DIY Manual. Although my English is pretty good, this book may as well be written in Chinese. Just opening the book is a sure way to depress me. In the first few pages of Helen Russell's A Year of Living Danishly, and I recommend it, her response to her husband spending 30 minutes on the toilet is, Are you redecorating in there? Made me chuckle. But in Denmark, it wouldn't surprise me if the response was yes. So, again, on DIY skills and interest in the Danish DNA, and perhaps a hand-me-down from Viking times. Or have these skills been passed down and perfected as a prerequisite to avoid the extortionate expense of employing a professional Honwerker? I'm all for unions. I'm all for trades being registered. Till I get the quote, 
and then the bill, which isn't necessarily the quote, but not lower. Poor Christine. So many projects she'd like. So many projects brutally murdered by me when the cost is mentioned. Or even when the cost isn't mentioned. It's fair enough that tradesmen can't give you a precise cost from the off. And also fair enough that they can't say exactly how long it will take. It's difficult to say. But can't say is very different from won't say. I know we're not the only ones who've experienced a carpenter, plumber, builder, electrician, who turns up bright and early on the first day, and the next, then disappears off the face of the earth, unable to be reached as they enjoy their planned holiday, or continue on jobs for more demanding customers. They seek him here, they seek him there, that darned elusive plumber. We need to be more demanding, we need to get tough. It seems that's what works here, both regarding tradesmen and getting your kid into kindergarten. Just keep badgering the commune and they'll eventually let you jump the queue. So the choice is either to be good at DIY or have piles of spare cash to get a professional in. Or to not have piles of spare cash, but take out a loan from the free value in your home, i.e., your home has increased in value, so take out that increase as a loan to do up your house, increasing its value, so you can take out a loan to make some more changes, increasing its value, etc., etc. Danes seem to not give a second thought to being in debt. Coming from the other extreme, as most Brits do, equals more frustration for my beloved. If you haven't taken out at least 16 loans in your life, you're not Danish. Actually, a friend told me the other day that three is not, in fact, the magic number. 16 is. After extensive research, this appears to be true. Danes consume the equivalent of 16 pigs a year, have, on average, 16 partners before they briefly settle down with someone, say sorry 16 times in their lifetime, will wait in a queue, 16 seconds before demanding a new checkout be opened. They know 16 times more about DIY than your average Englishman. They drive 16 million kilometres in their lifetime. And 16-year-olds drink 16 litres of alcohol a week. You can check these facts. They're all nearly true. Seeing as I'm having a little dig, I should mention the somewhat unfair rules regarding buying a summer house. This is exclusive to Danes. No foreign ownership allowed. So whereas Danes have bought up much of southern Sweden, because it's cheap, wild, and used to be theirs, Swedes and others have no such opportunity. But I'm torn. The idea of Germans buying up southern Jutland, because it used to be theirs, isn't too appealing. And a final note on homes. If you ask a Brit how many square metres his home is, be prepared to be met with a blank expression. No idea. He's got two bedrooms. Since my day in paradise, our dead animals collection has increased. Oh, a deer. A female deer. Dead in the garden. What on earth am I supposed to do with that? Will someone collect it? I phoned 
well, I don't remember what the organisation was, but I guess the number came up when I googled Dead Deer in Garden. Oh, just leave it. The foxes and rats will deal with it. Per, okay. And if I don't fancy that? Well, you can bury it. The chap on the phone was very pleasant and gave me instructions on how deep to dig the hole so she doesn't get dug up again. Being a Danish animal, she'll probably expect to be dug up again anyway. Mink, of course, and on the rare occasions I watched DR News, there was a bunch of horses being dug up. I believed to carry out autopsies as they were speculation and mistreatment. So a hole it was. The worst bit was having to drag the poor thing to the hole. I was mightily relieved when the head didn't remain where it was. Only afterwards did I think that I was being undanish. What I should have done was drag Bambi to the middle of the garden and invited kids to watch her being ripped apart by foxes and rats. It would have been educational. Maybe I'd actually phoned Copenhagen Zoo. For those unaware, and you've got to be far from Denmark or Scandinavia to not be aware, Copenhagen Zoo decided that little Marius the giraffe was genetically challenged and therefore not much good for breeding. So Marius came to a premature end, but his name lives on. The zoo decided it would be a good idea to publicly dissect Marius. So little Marius peered down from giraffe heaven, watching himself be carved apart in front of a crowd of kids and parents. Apparently dog ownership really shot up after that. Moa, can we have a dog? I want to see its insides. Christine referred to this episode the other day as an example of how Swedes like to differentiate themselves from Danes. Our summer house has pretty much remained unchanged in the eight years we've had it, despite Christine's numerous drawings on extensions, wall removals. The immediate area is also very much unchanged, aside from the closure of the nearby mink farm, so the smell has improved, and one new addition, El Diablo. Ooh, what's that? Myself, Christine, excitedly said as we drove past. Christine googled it and burst out laughing. It's a swingers club. Middle of nowhere. But opposite a, well, I don't know what they are, but it seems to be at the opposite end of the culture spectrum, holding small concerts for old Danes. Hard to believe they share customers, but... Helen Russell notes in her book that 90,000 Danes are regular swingers. Okay. And that 41% of Danes I've tried dogging. Quick Google search. Delete search history. Forty-one percent. Blimey. So much for DIY.